Welcome everybody to the Brian Piergrossi podcast. That is me. It's just past 3.30 in Asheville, North Carolina. It's uh, 2.30 in Chicago, where our guest today is located. And wherever you are, however you are, whoever you are, it is the here and now. And I'm so grateful to be with you. I'm so appreciative. Uh, We always do this live. We almost always do this live. So the beauty of this is that um, it's live, spontaneous, uh, in the moment, conversation, communication that is open and receptive to the essence that wants to move through us in each moment. So I see our guest on, but I don't see your camera available, Matthew. So there he is. There is his camera. So let's bring in our guest today, Matthew Donnelly, joining us live on Facebook Live. There he is. Hey, buddy, man. Hey. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate Mm -hmm. it. And we're getting the word out to people that this is uh, that this is happening. Um, Matthew's on. Uh, he's at a group called Universal Awakening Facebook group, right? A really uh, a really great, thriving group. Um, a lot of uh, conversation, a lot of engagement there, which is where I first came across him and became aware of him. And uh, so I was just shared with him earlier that there's just this really great resonance just this great recognition um what i see and what he's sharing with people and what he's what he's offering people and his his writings and his his uh, videos that uh is just a, a beautiful reflection of what i realized i, I felt a real, realization in him as well so it's fun to have you on and talk and share and learn more about your journey and where you are and what's coming through so um yeah, so obviously you, 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 you've been through this uh, awakening in consciousness, which is something that we're most interested in exploring here. So how did this journey begin for you? What, what was there? Was this something that was always alive for you? Was, it, was there a turning point? Was there something that sparked this deeper journey for you? Yeah, sure. Um, just give me uh, one second mm-hmm. really quick and let me share it to a few of my patients really sure. quick. Because um, this actually makes me really excited, this conversation. Yes, likewise. Because it's, uh, <clears throat> it's just so interesting how it happened for me. Alright, one second. Doesn't look like I can share to some of these. One thing that's good for everyone to know is that we're live Private. we're live on Facebook, but this will be archived on Facebook and also, you know, so if you can't if you don't catch these live, you can always catch them uh whenever you catch them. That's 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 good to recognize and realize. All right. So, 
basically back when I was about 17 to the age, age of 17 to 24, I was heavy into drinking alcohol and partying and like going from fret, like from bar to bar, et cetera. And I've gotten really drunk in my past and I ended up getting into this multi-level marketing company right out of high school. And they shared with me what it meant for personal growth and development. And I had never come across anything like personal growth and development. It was never brought up into my family or anything like that. So it's kind of the first time that I was introduced to like Tony Robbins, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Jack Canfield, et cetera. So like the very self-help niche. Yeah. So that was at the age of 19. Well, Fast forward to about the age of 24, I looked at my life and I was just like, what am I doing with my life right now? I'm like always searching to go to bars, always searching to like go to parties and like I was basically drinking my life away. Well, I so I try to so eventually I try to get my hands on every personal growth and development book that I could because I knew it was going to bring me out of my situation, out of my drinking habits, et cetera. And so I came across this book, The Power of Now, and I had no clue what spirituality was at the time. I had no clue what it meant to grow spiritually or awaken or enlighten or anything. So I had absolutely no clue what that meant. So I was listening to this book and I had no clue what it was talking about. Like I had no clue what Eckhart Tolle was like talking about. I couldn't really wrap my head around it. And then one day I was on my way to go get a back massage and suddenly something clicked and it clicked out of nowhere. And all of a sudden my mind, my thoughts just absolutely dropped. My attention went from my mind into my body, and it happened completely out of nowhere. I still didn't really know what spirituality was at the time. I still did not have a lot of knowledge or information on the topic even. So I was sitting in the office just in complete, utter shock. Like this sudden peace and this bliss just came over me and like it was I was sitting in the office and my brain is getting high by the way right now as I talk about it and I was sitting in the office staring up at the clouds like oh my god wow <laughs> it, it felt like I had had this huge backpack of weight on me like this huge weight on me, always trying to get to the next moment, always trying to search, always trying to like find myself by, by achieving and by doing and by like uh, the next moment, whatever that experience was for me, I was always searching and I was always, tr I could never truly rest in the moment. And that was until that, that was until that day where I was in the office and I was just going like I was in absolute ecstasy. And it was from that day that I knew that self-help, like the, the general self-help, the Tony Robbins, the Zig Ziglar, that kind of thing, 
was all still trying to grow from the outs outside and externally. And I knew from that point that none of that information, information alone could not give me that true inner freedom. I had hit nirvana. And the only reason that I had hit it is because I wasn't looking for it. It just came out of nowhere. It just hit me like a, like a freaking, it dawned on me. And that was basically what I had dedicated myself. That was back in 2015. And that was basically what I have dedicated my life to since is focusing on quieting the mind every single day. I meditate or at least six days a week to bring my attention from thoughts and external into the body and ground myself in the present moment because had I had never in my life sat and thought about just being, just simply being right here. I'd never sat and just contemplated the now because, and the primary reason why is because the thoughts would not let me do that. The thoughts in my head would not allow me to just be here. So the awakening really is when you and the absolute sense disidentify who you are with the thinking mind, with the thoughts that come and go. Because when you take a look at a broad perspective of what thoughts actually are, they're a combination of memory and anticipation. So memory, past, and anticipation, future, okay? So it's going back between past and future, but the mind will not truly let you, allow you to fully be here because it can't truly grasp presence. And the quote, I think the quote that really sums it up, and it might actually be the quote that was what allowed me to drop like the whole mind and to just be in the moment, the voice in your head, was this. Water, what is water? That's what a fish would say if it had a human mind. Because everybody knows that a fish must have water to survive and to live but a fish does not know what water is because it's, it's, it's just surviving. There's no conceptual or no interpretation of what water actually is. And so everybody's what everyone's looking for is the water that we're already in right now. And we're already surviving. It's just, we're trying to comprehend water and trying to interpret what water is as opposed to just being fully here which means that you bring your mind, your attention from your mind into the body and fill the cells in the breath. And that didn't even occur to me at the time. It just happened instantly, immediately, spontaneously, like the most spontaneous happening that's ever happened. And so it was a good thing that I didn't have spiritual knowledge at the time or understanding of what an awakening is or enlightenment is. Because then I would have tried to potentially grasp at what it actually is as opposed to being blindsided. So ever since then, I've known that it's what every single human being on the planet wants 
is to be fully here and to be fully alive in the moment and to let this moment be so full, so absolutely complete in and of itself as if, if I died in this moment, the universe would still be absolutely complete right now. That's really how complete the present moment is as it is without anything else needing to be done. Beautiful. So what I've noticed, the story that you're sharing is the same. The essence of it is the same, actually 100% without exception, this particular point, which is that the people who have had this awakening, they weren't trying to make it happen and there was no effort to make it happen. And in fact, trying to make it happen and using effort to make it happen is the very thing that will never allow it to happen. So it's this incredible paradoxical yeah. thing, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so and the universe like, by nature is that it's paradoxical. Yes. Yes. Yeah, 100%. So it feels like like there's no, you know, it's like you're we're talking about something and it's like if you're listening to what we're we're sharing Anything that you try to do is not going to make, make it happen. Of course, the reason is because it's already, it's already the case, right? So you can't make something happen that's already the case, right? So you recognize all you're, all, you're, exactly. all you're really doing is recognizing the way things actually are and the way they always have been and the way they always will be. That's all you're ever doing. So I think what happens, what's, what's valuable in a, in a podcast like this or sitting with, you know, sitting with a, a mentor or a guide or a teacher, whatever word, a human being, whatever word you want to use, a coach, um, is the value of it is there's a vibrational frequency that you can attune to. You, you, you can kind of relax. It's almost like the water, right? You can kind of like, you can learn to swim in the, these waves and you can open to it. And that's the power of it. And, but it's, it's, it takes a lot of, um, there's an awareness of, of noticing the energy that's present as opposed to, as opposed to um, the mind, like you said, exactly what you said, the mind wanting to grasp something or fix onto something or the ego wanting to attach something and noticing that like what you're looking for, you already are, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, because I've got to the point and I've been meditating now probably the last two and a half years, roughly. But I feel like most people are trying to meditate still identified with the mind. So it's it's leaving uh, more to be desired from just meditation because a lot of people are still trying trying to quiet the mind with the, with the mind as opposed to because i know i'm not the mind i actually can sit down and meditate and no matter what arises it doesn't matter whether it's pain whether it's you know something arising from the past something like i just got into a fight like it's not trying to get that stuff to go away it's because I'm not the mind that I can just simply observe the things that come and go, including the pain, because that's the last thing. And that's what I feel like 
a lot of people are sitting down to meditate to achieve peace or acquire peace or obtain peace as uh, as opposed to realizing that in my truest nature, I am already peace and that the peace itself is what is observing any kind of pain that arises, any kind of uh, turmoil inside. I'm telling you, some of my meditations, I've gone through hell. I've gone through like serious pain in some of my meditations. Even the other day, right before I went into the void, I went through a lot of pain and I sat there until I ripped that pain out of me. I sat there and I, and I, I observed it and I went deep into the pain, almost as if you're like an, on an island with whatever's arising. And then what happened, the, the more and more and more I surrendered and accepted the pain as it came, boom, nirvana or bliss, whatever you want to call it, just pure aliveness. Mm, I love that. Pure aliveness. That's a beautiful way of saying it. Yeah, there's a, there's a line from Rumi that is so short, but so right on with what you're saying. And the line is, the cure for the pain is in the pain. The cure for the pain is in the pain. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It is. Um, and, you know, I feel like they're in the, in the kind of like spiritual niche, a lot of people talk about accepting your pain. Or excuse me, they they say um, they say don't resist your pain. Well, there's a fine line between accepting and letting go. It's only until you've fully been willing to. And to me, there's no difference between feeling your pain and accepting it. And here's what I mean by feeling your pain. So most of the time, our thoughts are what is resisting the pain itself. So the only true way to accept your pain is by being willing to bring your attention from your thoughts and your mind into the pain itself. Feeling the pain and accepting the pain are synonymous. Um, because accepting the pain, if it's just a belief system, you're not really going to accept it then. It has to happen. And by the way, all understanding and its insight has to happen on a cellular level on, in, a ner in the nervous system, in the brain, in the cells, in the particles of your being. Otherwise, it's just a belief system and a thought, and it's not real. It's not concrete then. So it has to happen in the body. So being aware of the, the bringing it into present moment awareness as opposed to an idea about present moment awareness or a belief about present moment awareness or a philosophy about present or a spirituality about present awareness, but actually bringing your full awareness to this moment. Boom. In every particle of your being. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people have all this knowledge, right? This, this intellectual knowledge of what presence is and what it, and you know, what it's not and everything, but it's not really sinking into them on an actual level. Right. Yes. And I, I thought what you said was interesting. You said that you actually, 
you think it was better that you didn't have a lot of spiritual knowledge when you had your awakening because that would have been more of an impediment or a barrier to being fully present in the moment. Exactly. And, you know, one of my favorites, one of my favorite things that I've heard is, you know, we're in the information age today. We're in the information age where you can pretty much get information at will. And the thing that I love um, about, you know, spirituality and that kind of thing is not so much about the information that you're acquiring. It's does the information turn from mind, from intellectual into pure consciousness? Because if you really think about it, Jesus, for example, Jesus lived in an age where people consider him one of the most enlightened, if not the most enlightened human being who's ever lived, right? Well, there wasn't even really a whole lot of information around at that time to begin with. You mean he didn't, so he didn't have Google? Jesus really. <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh have my Google. gosh, how can you become enlightened without Google.com? <laughs> Could you imagine uh, Jesus talking to his disciples? Let me Google that yeah, right. real quick. <laughs> So he, he didn't really even need that much information. In fact, I actually feel like information can be counterintuitive to being here because are you familiar with Advaita Vedanta? Yes. So Advaita Vedanta is the end of the Vedas, which actually means the end of knowledge. And the way that I interpret that is that knowledge is mind information that we use in this world that people have deemed knowledge. It's mind information. So when you end the knowledge, and it's like you're almost reverse engineering what people think of as an enlightened human being, is not that you're smart or that you have a high IQ or that you can you know, pass any exam, go on Jeopardy, and just dominate. And that kind of thing It's actually your ending you're becoming ignorant and you're coming back to your true nature then. Because if you have all this knowledge, right, and you sit down to meditate, you'll try to smart your way into presence, which will always keep you from being here. There's a, there's a line, uh, my, my profile picture on this Facebook profile, there's a line that says, um, I wrote, the smarter I get, the less I think. Mm. Right? So it's like, it's, I totally, my experience is totally what you're sharing. You know, there's this, this, um, it's like knowledge, knowledge is, is, is a subtle form of materialism, right? It's like, oh, I want, you know, it's like, I want another car. I want another house. I want, an, I want more money. I want, I want this woman, this man, this way. And then it's like, I want more information. I want more information. So it's, it's another way of keeping the ego alive. It's another way of keeping the ego wanting to, it's just another form of consumerism, you know? So you're acquiring more information, you're acquiring yeah. more information. You're never gonna get enough information. Right. You're never gonna get there through information. All, just trying to acquire more information is just maintaining the illusion of separation, right? Oh, that's actually very, that's a great point actually, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and interesting. Um, 
because you're you're essentially and and that's kind of why I felt like personal growth and development to a degree the self-help niche has actually kind of hurt people to a degree because it's always grow 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 right grow as fast and as much as you possibly can and what ends up happening is now you're adding the future into your life and that's actually and anything that adds future into your life is keeping you from being here so because knowledge is all born from the past and used for the future so it's all stuck in the external absolutely Mm -hmm. because a newborn baby has absolutely no knowledge and therefore they're in their absolute most natural state in fact i'm almost certain when a baby comes fresh out of the womb Boom, nirvana. <laughs> Boom, absolute nirvana. Conditioned yet? Mm-hmm. They haven't been conditioned. They haven't learned too much. They haven't been told no a thousand times. You know, they haven't been told that you have to get good grades in school and to to be worthy. Yep. They haven't been they have been told. You know, you need to worry about your future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You know. We're told we have to worry about our future and creating a good future for ourselves. And we wonder why we have a hard time being here. Mm. Yeah. I want to, I want to take the other side of that too, just, just so I, I I kind of balance that out what I was sharing, which is that also if you, because then the other side is that people become religious people, they come, they become spiritual people and they think they're, they're better than the average person. So let me, let me repress and, suppress and renounce everything let me renounce all the money let me renounce all the possessions let me renounce let me, let me renounce getting more information but that's also keeping maintaining a separation that's also an, a fixed identification with yourself so it's not that you're it's not that you're um you're trying to get more um information to to get to some higher level or you're trying you're trying to not get information to get to some higher level either way you're you're maintaining that that sense of separation and, and there's a, there's a term that people use sometimes is being in a flow state. So it's more like just being in this flow state of like yeah. you're kind of just open and available to what arises, like being a clear open channel for what arises without the clinging um, as a, a, a pushing or a pulling. You know, there's no pushing and there's no pulling. There's just this beautiful dance with the moment, beautiful dance with the moment, beautiful dance yeah. with the moment. I like that, yes. It's like, I absolutely agree with that because to me, really, if you, if you look at a very basic level of what the whole point of being here is, is that what we're really trying to be aware of is the peace that we are. Yeah. Right? Yes. That to me is the wellest thing you can have as a human being is peace in the here and the now. Mm-hmm. So by identifying yourself yet again with, they're sleepwalking or I'm, I'm superior because I've let go, you know, I've let go of the material world or, um, I'm like, there's this subtle superiority because you've been willing to, to like let go of material world and, and to knowledge, as you were saying that it actually is continuing to keep you not being peaceful. It's the whole thought identification with anything external, um, which when you get down to the root is your thoughts, Mm -hmm. because it's all of our thoughts is exactly how we're experiencing the external world. Mm 
So what we're doing is we're, we're identifying our sense of perfection with something that by nature is imperfect. to come and pass anything we achieve will come and pass the world itself the reason that the, the buddhists say the world is suffering is because no matter what you achieve it will pass away and when it passes if you took yourself which is already perfect for that to make you perfect you suffer and that includes your your uh you know I was talking to a guy yesterday in the gym and he was kind of opening up about me to, to me about um, his pain and, and his stuff and that kind of thing. And, you know, he said he was going through a lot of stuff and he said, you know, and a lot of people say this too. There's a lot, there's a lot of people in the world that have a lot less than us that have more problems than us. So I get it from a mind's perspective. They want to put other people's stuff in perspective to their stuff to say, well, I shouldn't really suffer because a lot of people have a lot less or they're going through a lot. But I told him instantly, I said, no amount of pain that other people feel will make you feel any less better about yourself, will make you feel any less uh, painful than what you're going through right now. It absolutely has to take conscious awareness and, and, and to bring your attention into the breath. So... People are like still in that comparison mode and that, that separation mode, as you were saying. Yeah, which is really big on social media. Social media is really amplifying this like comparison thing and let's compete and show how like my life is better than your life and all of this thing, right? Which, which really leads me to uh, something you just said leads me to what I title, what it will be laughingly and funnily and jokingly and joyfully and ecstatically titled this podcast, which is how I became a perfect mess. So that was a, that was a, <laughs> that was a line I saw from you that you, you posted. And uh, yeah, it's like, I'm a, right. It's like, I'm a perfect mess. So how do you become a perfect mess? Right. It's like this recognition of the way I would say it. And I'd love to hear how you, how you would interpret, how you would articulate it is nothing mm -hmm. in the world of form the world of form is always in movement. So there's, there's never some end point of like, oh, right. now, it's, now it's over, now it's the end of it. So, um, but beyond the world of form, the formless, the infinite, uh, the void, the emptiness, right? That's where the perfection is. And the perfection is always here, always, it's never not here. So like, <laughs> if you don't see the perfection, it's just you're not paying attention, <laughs> right? So then it's like, then when you recognize that that perfection, then the world of form is perfect in its imperfection. Yeah. I think it was, I'm trying to remember someone recently said or it was a quote, I think it was Jita Krishnamurti. Love him. Or maybe yeah. Oto, or someone along them lines said something about how the world is imperfect. And right there in that imperfection is perfection. Yeah. And 
it, it definitely makes sense to me because the only reason, if you think about it, the only reason that the world isn't perfect is because we think it should be some way other than the way that it currently is. Because if there's no thoughts about it, right? No thoughts about the world and the way that it should be or shouldn't be, then the world just is as it is. Yes. Yep. Bethany says, one of the greatest downfalls of 99% of spiritual sites or teachings elsewhere is the concept that this is all some kind of competition. I think that um, the, the thing to me that stands out is what we're pointing at the beauty of it is there is no concept. It's beyond any and every concept you can imagine, right? So whatever concept you come up with, whatever, oh, now I got it. My, my mind has it. I understand it all. Whatever concepts you have mm -hmm. is not what we're pointing at, right? Mm -hmm. It transcends every single concept you can imagine, including every spiritual concept, every religious concept. Every concept is just a concept, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I just want to share. I just want, and that's to me. Yeah, yeah. Go, oh, no, yeah. I just wanted to share that for people that are kind of new to us or new to this, like the space where there's a where there's mm -hmm. a where there's a where there's a pause between words. That's the best space of all. That's the space where it's like you can feel this deeper than the than the ideas or the concepts. So those, those aren't, those aren't spaces to kind of get to the next, get to the next moment. Those are the best, those are the juiciest moments of the whole podcast. Yeah, they are. They're actually the, the they're the whole point right. of the podcast. Yeah. Um, which is why a few years ago, I wanted to make a podcast about nothing. Yes. I would, I would definitely tune into that. <laughs> Some, somebody, somebody wrote you That's and they said, um, is this going to be a staring contest between, uh, between you and me? Which, uh, is, which is cool because like when I, when I was tuning into some of your videos, you know, you'll have long spaces of just presence without words. And um, my early videos, I was doing the exact same thing. Sometimes minutes, you know, of just presence. Um, without words and, and just kind of being in the, the ecstasy of, of um, pure awareness, right? Um, so when, when, people are, yeah. when, people are not, when people are not familiar, as familiar with what we're pointing at, it's, I, what I notice is, first of all, it's uncomfortable for people. They get very uncomfortable. They get nervous. Um, yeah. They have anxiety. Um, of course, they get bored. Yeah. You know, all of these things come into being. And it's just interesting to notice, like, what is this, you know, uh, in fact, I had a session with a client and he said, he, he really vulnerable and authentic and genuine. He said, I'm really afraid of nothingness. I'm afraid of nothingness. Right? It's like, what is this fear right. of like, yeah. you know, fearing this, what we call nothingness? Yeah, I've contemplated on that quite a bit because when I bring up things like stopping your thoughts mm -hmm. at the gym or about I noticed that a lot of people like they'll like switch the subject really quick or like go away or whatever the case may be 
And what I've, at, at least in my experience, what I've come to this understanding that, A, it's the ego that's afraid. It's the ego, it's the sense of individual, the individual self, which the thoughts make up, right? It's because of the thoughts that I take myself to be a separate individual. And the sense of being a separate individual is the ego, right? It's the false identification with your mind, with your thoughts, which is what creates the sense of separation, so there's that, but on a more logical and practical level, what I feel like is, is that when you give yourself, so, so most human beings, because they have yet to stop thinking, they res, they've resisted a lot of trauma and pain that have come up. They've tried to think it away and try to dive into external stuff. So by stopping your thoughts and by being fully here, it actually gives you a moment for all that trauma to come to the surface and all the pain to come to the surface so that it can be accepted in the here and the now and then released. People do not want to feel that pain. They don't want to feel it. They don't, they, they want to do everything they can to think, to block it out. They don't want to feel it to its full capacity. So when you tell someone to think and it gives even a slight window for that pain and they don't want to do it. it. It seems too unbearable at that time and at that moment, even though what they don't realize is that the only true way to release it is to by stopping your thoughts and to by bringing your attention into the breath and allowing it to be there fully. I, use, I like to use this example here. And it's kind of like if you're walking around and you've been resisting your thoughts your whole life or you've been resisting your pain your whole life, there will be this gas smell, gas, like gasoline, in every one of your experiences. And it'll always, like, feel a little off. You'll feel a little agitated in all your experiences. Well, it's because you haven't yet learned to, to feel your pain because what ends up happening is when you do learn to feel your pain by shutting your thoughts off and being – then the gas turns to fire, the, the fire, and the gas now has a chance to burn up. And once the gasoline has burned all the way up, ah, now I can rest. Beautiful. Now That's a beautiful um, metaphor. And I want to inquire into pain a little bit as well. Because I've been, it's like, what exactly mm -hmm. is pain? You know, I, it's like, there's pain and there's pleasure. So I was, I've, I've kind of, you know, I've explored life. I don't want to do experiments on myself to try things. So when I go into pain, mm -hmm. it's like, what exactly is pain? It's, it's, it's an intensity of energy. It's really, there's, a, there's an intensity there, you know? And what exactly is pleasure? There's an intensity yeah. of energy. There's an intensity there. And it's almost like yeah. there's actually no difference between the two except for the story like, we don't want this intensity, so we call it pain. We want this intensity, so we call it pleasure. But then actually, when we get close, so we call when we get close to the pleasure, we, you, quite often we're afraid of that intensity, so we back away from it anyway. But it's like, you have, basically what we're afraid of is an intensity of energy, right? The, 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 this intensity is like, oh, that's scary, you know? I don't want to feel intensity. But if you just 
can notice it and go, yep. there is an intensity of energy that's happening right now. And um, you can call it pain, but, but that's kind of a label of the mind. That's a story of the mind, you know? So when I can, when I can be separate from the story of what I'm calling it and just feel it as, oh, this is intense energy. Mm -hmm. There's an intense energy in my back or there's an intense energy, you know? <laughs> it's like it, it, right. if you can remove the mind from it, there's a whole different quality to it. And actually on some I level, it's like pain and pleasure and all this stuff is just made up of story. And actually whatever, as you said earlier, what you're experiencing is just a temporary movement of energy that's going to move into something else very quickly if you don't resist it. Correct. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put um, and I've heard I've heard emotion is energy and motion. Right, right. Energy, energy and motion. Did you ever? And so it definitely makes sense because. Just a question mm -hmm. for you and a question for everybody listening. Have you ever felt, um, like, say for example, for me, like, sometimes I'll, I'll hear like a sad song, you know? So I'll feel the sadness of the song, but but the feel, but it's so beautiful. Like it's a, such a beautiful sadness because i'm like feeling it i'm not resisting it i'm not fighting it i'm not trying to get away from it i'm just feeling the emotion of the song or, or a movie you know a scene in a movie and it's like you know if we don't resist these things there's some kind of beauty that's behind them yeah absolutely it's like you fully embrace being sad in that moment as opposed to feeling like i shouldn't be feeling sad right it's almost like a pleasurable pain yep that's exa exactly it yeah yeah and there's there's some kind of mm -hmm. there's i think the word yeah. maybe we haven't used this word yet but there's a liberation there's a freedom you you liberate yourself when you can embrace when you can fully and embrace what's arising suffering drives you deeper yeah definitely yeah. um and i've said that pain is liberating it really is um, pain is like, and I've even like almost come to the degree in some of my meditations where I felt like I've almost felt that like our purpose on this earth is to feel our, our pain fully. Mm. It's almost like what, it, it's almost like what it makes it worth it to be alive mm. is like, because we to feel pain as opposed to thinking I shouldn't have to feel pain, I get to feel pain. Not that it's fun always, and not that it feels good, but it can, it, it's a doorway, it's a portal to be more fully here, to be more fully alive. It's like an opportunity. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a gift. It is, yeah. Tell me, Definitely. tell me more about your um, your um, meditation practice. Like, give us some more details on what that's like for you, and how how long do you meditate for? Okay, so, man, my my whole like understanding of of meditation has really grown throughout the years of throughout the years of meditating, and so. 
I've I've wrote articles, uh, a few articles on meditation, but basically, I okay. So, firstly, remember that, and I've said this is that meditation, in a nutshell, is presence. Right? Yeah. Meditation is is presence. Presence is meditation. So presence, because it's timeless, right? You don't have to. You don't. It doesn't matter what time it is right now on the clock. You're already here. You're already in the now. You're already present. So because the present moment doesn't rely on what the clock says, what you're actually doing when you are present is you're losing track of psychological time. So you have clock time, which is, you know, it's ticking at whatever time it is, but then you have psychological time, which is your mind's fixation on uh what you like your experiences what and that kind of thing so our minds are always fluctuating between what happened and what's going to happen right so to answer your question meditation is really about conscious awareness to come back to the moment it's about losing track of psychological time which means the only way to do that is to bring your attention. There's a few different ways to look at this, really. It's either to bring your attention from your mind into your body or into your breath. And by doing by focusing on the inhale and the exhale, it slows your brain cells down. It slows your mind down, et cetera. So like, because the brain is using a lot of energy to focus on what happened or what's going to happen right? It's using a lot of energy and a lot of stress and a lot of um, like tension to remember things and to plan for the future. So I never choose a time to sit down to meditate A. I always do it spontaneously whenever I'm feeling in the moment, whenever I'm ready. Okay. That's the first. Okay. And B, I never put a time limit on it. Because the moment that you put a time, say, I'm, I'm going to meditate 20 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes, etc. Then, and I, under, I understand if you actually do have something scheduled, like I had this today, so I had no choice. And sometimes I even have an alarm on my phone because I'll lose track of time so deeply that I miss things. I miss like work or whatever the case may be or, or an appointment or or any of that, but um, my whole point is, if you put a time limit on your meditation, you're already including time on a meditation that uh, is already distorting your meditation because it's about remembering the timeless. So it's not that at three o'clock I'm going to sit down and meditate until three forty-five. It's that I'm going to sit down. In B meditation. Beautiful. B yeah. timeless. Yeah. So the other way is that so all uh, in on, on an experiential level, this is kind of wor- like where words jumble it up. But sometimes I'll just um, be very subtly in the body, and and sometimes I'll just observe the mind and just let the mind do 
absolutely whatever it wants. I will let the mind go absolutely crazy because I know it doesn't matter because I am not the mind. So meditation should always include this idea, not idea, not mind idea, but this knowing that I am not the thoughts that come and go. So by, by because of that, the thoughts can do whatever they want. The mind can go absolutely crazy. And I'll say this, the deeper the degree that you let your thoughts do whatever they want is the deeper degree that you'll let them, that, 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 excuse me, that they will go away on their own. But if you resist the mind chatter, if you don't want it to be here, then it's only going to go faster. Where it's just like, do whatever you want, kind of an indifference. But it also takes, here's the paradox though. It takes time to let go of the timeless sometimes because our brains get hardwired into always remembering and always like anticipating that it does take time to let your body come into a meditative state. And that's why most people don't know what it, what the present moment is, is because they haven't really given themselves enough time to observe the mind until the attention comes into the body and you go into a meditative state. Mm. There's a, there's something you said that I think is really important there. You said a lot of things are important, but one thing that really stuck out to me is uh, the more you let your thoughts totally go wild, totally be free, the more quickly your mind quiets. I think that's a really important point that you don't hear people generally make. I don't hear people generally making that point, but I completely resonate with it. I think it's 100% true um, because as long as there's a you who's trying on some subtle level, right, to control, to change, let me get more positive thoughts, let me get rid of the negative thoughts, let me, you know, let me, let me, whatever, this kind of, all this kind of manipulation of the mind, you're creating a duality between a you you know, the thought of you who's trying to do something to these thoughts. Um, but if you can, um, in fact, there's a, there's a, um, there was a title of a book that I absolutely love. I never actually read the book, but I just saw the title and I just absolutely love the title. And the title is thoughts without a thinker thoughts without a thinker. And I feel like that's, that's the essence of meditation, right? Because <laughs> The thinker is himself or herself a thought, right? So go to go beyond the, the space of, um, oh, I'm the thinker trying to have good thoughts. That's my meditation. I'm a thinker trying to have positive thoughts. No, you're not a thinker trying to have positive or thoughts. Get rid of yeah, or to get rid of the bad thoughts, the negative thoughts. No, you're not a thinker trying to have good thoughts or get rid of bad thoughts. You are um beyond the thought all thought including the including the thinker itself himself or herself being a thought so just to be able to be um a term i like sometimes use is pure awareness you know pure awareness of which thoughts are arising and falling and the thoughts are not uh a problem no mm -hmm. they're not yeah the only time they mm -hmm. become the problem is if i become the, yeah. or if i think i am the then they're a major problem because yeah, because then they're going to cause very, very uh, a lot of turmoil inside. But, but the other thing, too, is that a lot of people think that meditation is getting rid of 
negative thoughts or and thinking positively like you're yeah. saying. But more importantly, it's about letting thoughts go completely. Yeah. Right. And then this paradox of like, so and this paradox is like, you can't, you can't try to let them go. It's exactly what you just said, right? It's like allowing them is what allows the quieting. Yep. It makes the space for the awareness. Right. Exactly. Now it is important for people to know that their thoughts can stop though. Yeah. Because a lot of people have no clue that their thoughts can stop. So I love Osho's, uh, I love one of Osho's quotes really resonates with me when it comes to this. He says, when a, when a leaf on a tree gets really old and it's, it's about to die, it always falls off on its own accord. The tree itself doesn't actually drop the, the, the leaf, The the, the leaf just drops. So he says, don't drop the leaf. Let the leaf drop. Beautiful. Yeah. There's, there's an effortlessness. You know, I'm, I'm, there's out this way, I can see trees and I see the wind gently blowing through the leaves and I see the birds um, flying from branch to branch. And there's such, like, in nature, you can see such beauty and such magic and miraculousness and and everything's happening on its own like we're not we don't have to do anything or make anything happen we just we yeah. just observe you know and it's like then you start to re- i start to remember we start to remember that like we are nature you know there's no separation it's not like we're separate from nature we came out of we came out of the same um universe so it's like, you know, mm-hmm. our, our heart is beating on its own. Our breath is moving through on its own. The, the circulation of the blood through the body on its own. The hair is growing on its own. Right? All these things are happening. And mm-hmm. we, when we delve into this, this state of presence, then we start to be in this magical dance of the universe. We start to participate in this dance, this, this uh, yeah, this beautiful, magical da- dance that's happening in each moment. I'm telling you right now that when I go to the gym, uh, a lot of times I find myself, I'll like do a set of like whatever curls or whatever, and I'll put it down and I'll like stop, like I'll just like let the mind stop instantly and I'll be absolutely high in the gym. Like, just on cloud nine, walking around, like, just in heaven. And, and and that heaven is just, like, that heaven is the intensity of the heaven. Like, the, the, that is, um, it, I don't know how to say this without it um, sounding like times included, but it, it drives deeper. And, um... One thing I wanted to mention too, by the way, and this thing that I've, I've come to the real, this, this realization I've come to in meditation is that, you know, you say nature is effortless, right? And that like space is effortless and that kind of thing. Well, the paradox that I see is that a lot of people will then look to the future to be effortless, right? 
as opposed to allowing themselves to put as much effort in as needed without judging that. So, or trying to quiet the, quiet the mind as much until that happens on its own, until the, the sense of doership goes away on its own. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So nature is effortless timelessly, which means that no amount of effort that you put in can affect that, right? So what that means is that I'm actually free to put in effort. I'm free to put I'm I'm free to try to stop the mind. I'm free to try because it doesn't matter still to the pure effortlessness of nature. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'll sit down and if I put in a lot of effort, then so be it as long as I don't become that effort. Because if I don't become that effort, then the effort will dissolve on its own accord. Beautiful. Hey, you mentioned uh, the gym multiple times now. So um, I'm finding something really interesting. It's like you got two guys here talking about like these subtleties of like spirituality and consciousness and awakening and consciousness. And we both, we both love the gym. We're both like gym rats, you know? So it's like there's, there's, this, there's this notion that, um, you know, to be spiritual – you kind of separate yourself from the body or you, you know, you're, I'm not the body. You people say this all the time. Like I'm not the body. Right. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like, yep. do, can you, can you be an awakening, an awakening consciousness and be an embodied human being? Absolutely. And I love that you say that because a lot of people, what a lot of people don't realize is that spirituality actually makes you more human because a lot of like, Presence is not, I always tell people a lot of this time, because when I talk about this, people, I say this is not deep. It's not deep. It's not, it's, you're not analyzing something or interpreting or grasping, right? Um, So really, it's actually about simplifying your life, even like just always continuing to cut through all of the unnecessary garbage that we're conditioned with. And coming back to the simplicity of just this. And so I meditate in the middle of gym in the bodybuilding section. Not for any particular reason. It just so happens that that's where I, a a lot of times, they have a mirror over there. And when I stare into a mirror as I'm meditating, because I keep my eyes open, by the way. Something about a mirror reflects presence. I don't know how to really explain it, but something about a mirror reflects back to me like a broad view of everything as opposed to a specific uh, seeing. Because it's not a specific seeing, it's just a broad view of seeing nothing. To answer your question, by the way, I feel like it's to embrace being a human even more when you've got in touch with the being part of being human. Now you can do whatever you want and be whatever you want. But the only way you can be whatever you want is to first become nothing. 100% agree. 
I think it's really important what you're sharing. And also just to add to the, to meditation, you know, there's a term people use also mindfulness is a term people use meditation. I find that um, weightlifting is an incredible meditation, right? Cause like you, you have a, you have a heavy weight on that's about to go onto your chest. You gotta be present. You can't be thinking about like what's going to happen next week or what happened, you know, 24 hours ago. So you can bring this into like embodied practices, you know, and I don't think I hear, I don't hear, I don't hear people talking about this, you know, like weightlifting is an incredible meditative practice. So I I imagine it's the same for you. I think it's important what you're saying too, because I've hit some of my like, without even sitting down to meditate, I've hit like some of my deepest meditative states lifting. Now, what I think is important, though, like from an even even, uh, broader perspective, is that no matter what you do can be a meditative practice. And that, to me, is kind of what Zen is. Yeah. You know, doing the dishes, present, taking out the garbage, present, weightlifting, present. Yeah. And and just observe the mind. Yeah. Uh, uh, Because the observer... The observer of the mind is actually what presence really is. Mm. The observer of the thoughts that come and go. Yes. Uh, excuse me. I, uh, sorry about that. Presence is the entire universe. But our awareness of this presence, when consciousness becomes aware of itself, is because we're able to observe the mind to stop the mind we go into the body then it's when consciousness who we are in the absolute sense is now aware of it which can happen no matter what you're doing yeah yeah is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't uh delved into yet that you feel is important that you want to share with people so I want people to understand that awakening is really not for anybody special absolutely not no matter where you're from no matter your background no matter your situation no matter your circumstance it's about coming back to your natural state which is peace. When you, and the easiest, simplest way to be in the now, as opposed to to be aware of the now, and that's, by the way, a very uh, a very uh, distinction that I want people to understand is that you're already in the now, right? You can't be otherwise. But the difference between, and it's not really a difference, it's just in words, is that, well, if you're already here, then what's the awakening then, right? And it's the fact that you're aware that you're here. That's the difference. Most people are not. And you know what's ironic is that it's not really a difference. Yeah. It's one. But for the sake of words and communication... You're already here and you've always been here. You just were never aware of it. 
It's like when people say, just breathe, just breathe, right? Well, what do you mean just breathe? You're already breathing or you'd be dead, right? You're already breathing. But the difference is, is that are you aware of the breath? So the fact that there's seven, seven and a half billion people on this earth, right? And every person on this planet has the ability, has the ability to be aware of the breath. So by that nature, awakening is not personal. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it's not personal to me, right? Because that would be like saying, well, I'm the only person on this planet that could be aware of the breath right here, right? It'd be like singling me out somehow and saying, well, he's the only person on this planet or whatever the case may be that can be aware of his breath in this moment. But we know that if you're breathing, then you have that opportunity to be aware of the breath and be here now. Beautiful. Speaking so, of which, because the yep. go ahead. There's a there's a slight delay. Go ahead. A lot of kids say the uh, woke. Yeah. But that has the sense of super the sense of superiority behind it. As opposed to just simply being. Yeah. Not superior, not inferior. Uh you know, non-conceptual perfection a mm. non-understandable uh, perfection <laughs> that's great a non-understandable perfection that's great <laughs> so how about we just uh we just sit for a few moments in being together how about that yeah yeah all of you that's that are tuning in to just really rest in the being together Matthew, thank you so much for being with us, and we gotta do this more frequently. This is this is great. I really appreciate what we're sharing here together. Yeah, this was very fun, very fun. So, uh, oh, and uh, one one last thought I wanted to make. Yes, go for it. 
every time you see something wrong with the world, you know, it could be in war, all the wars that are happening between like U.S. and, you know, whoever. Um, it could be, you know, global warming. It could be, it could be, you know, the starving children in Africa. It could be, you know, whatever the case may be. Whenever you see something off when the, with the world, and it creates this pain inside you, and it could even be with your relationships, and it creates this pain inside you, use that as an opportunity to be peaceful in the here and the now. Because that is the only thing that is going to make the true change is going to be from that very peace that you find in the here and the now. Yeah. That's great advice to end on. I love that. I love that. All right, Matthew. Thank you so much. And uh, let's keep it going together. All right, buddy. All right. See ya. That was awesome, folks. Thanks, y'all, for joining us live. This will be uh, uh, archived on wherever you get your podcast. You can tune in as many times as you want. There's so much wisdom and just rich material in here that I don't, some of it, like, I don't think you're going to hear in many other places, if any other places. So, um, but you will hear it on this podcast, and we're going live every Friday now. So, I'll be back again here live next Friday. There's a bunch of links on how to tune in to other stuff I'm doing. Matthew's got the, his Facebook group, there's a link to that, Universal Awakening. Um, I have a private group that meets on Wednesdays. I have personal sessions, a lot of good stuff on there. So just any way that I can support you, feel free to private message and let me know. Have a beautiful rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next now.